Hey, everybody. Uh, just wanted to pop in real quick before we start this week's episode as a quick note to last week's episode. Uh, we have mm-hmm. some cool uh, information to, to add. So a quick addendum. Corrections Corner. Quickly, yeah. uh, Toria, tell us what we know. So last week, uh, we discussed the animated Christmas episode from season three called Oi to the World. And we had a lot of questions about it that we said we couldn't really find online. There wasn't a lot of information. And when we posted about it, um, you know, the amazing Peter Mark Jacobson, co-creator of The Nanny, wrote on our Instagram wall or feed, uh, he wrote, FYI, this show was designed as a pilot for a Saturday morning spinoff for little children. It was back in the day when Saturday morning CBS had a lineup, which is which makes so much sense. Um, it it yeah. felt kind of like very much the spirit of the nanny, but that it worked for children. Um, and it was kind of hard to totally understand some of the tone until I mean, I did love it, but now now yeah. I can see why where this came from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool to learn. And I do think, uh, had we known going in that that was the intent, it, it, it would have maybe changed some of uh, some of our our smaller criticisms. But it doesn't change the fact that I think we both really liked that episode. And if had that led to a Saturday morning cartoon, I would have fully been in to add that to our rewatch. Um, all right. Well, on that note, everyone enjoy the episode. Take that fact and and tell uh, all of your fellow nanny stands what you just tell learned. Everybody you've ever met. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of the of the theme song. The flashing girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Meet uh, Miss Fine. What up, what up? Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about The Nanny, a hit sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Shondi Pasquale here with my co-host, Toria Sheffield. That's right. And we're here to discuss season three, episode 15, uh, the fashion show, or just fashion show, not Mm -hmm. the fashion show. (laughs) It's directed by Dorothy Lyman, uh, who is a very nice lady, a nice lady, um, <laughs> you don't know Dorothy at all. I'm not saying she's not a nice lady, but it's just I'm a, just I, oh, listen. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's a weird thing to say since she's very nice. Um, and then uh, this one's interesting. Uh, it got a lot of writing credits. Um, story is credited to Eileen O'Hare, Chris Albergini, and Mike Chesler. And then the teleplay for the episode was written by Eileen O'Hare. So this one was a, a group effort, it looks like. Um, three three people credited, which is always interesting in TV because, you know, generally like the whole room will develop and break down something. And then like, you know, someone will get assigned to go off and write that episode. So it's always interesting to me when somewhere in that process, they're like, okay, well, three people are going to get the credit for the story on this one. Specifically. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it could be like, um, you know, someone did a rewrite where they really contributed a lot or maybe a couple of them paired up and kind of partnered up and then a third yeah. person did a a, set, a new look on it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this one has a bunch of uh, cooks in the kitchen. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know what your feelings are, but I was – it was fine. You know, I don't know that, that f- three writers necessarily made it a better episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, – 
I, I was saying this before we recorded. To me, at least, it felt pretty cookie cutter in terms of like a sitcom. Like there was yeah. there was an inciting incident. Like oh, and by the way, we should say this is the episode where Fran appears on a worst dressed list, and yeah. um, it's kind of Mr. Sheffield's fault because he rushes her out of the house before they go to a big premiere, and she doesn't have enough time to get ready, mm-hmm. and then. Um, because he feels so badly about it, he lets her design uh, – be the costume designer for uh, a scene that he is putting on for this really big charity benefit. Um, but so to me, it felt like there was very much like, you know, inciting incident, like, you know, Fran lands on a worse dress list and uh-huh. then that sets up the plot of the episode. Then we've got our midpoint where he uh, – lets her, you know, says she can design for him. And then we have like resolution. So, so it, it, it was very sitcom-y to me. Um, well, there was some we, kind of- we did get a couple of significant moments. One of them was that we seemingly got the, the, I don't know if origin's the right word, but we got like the, the, the true story behind Fran's wardrobe, <laughs> yes. which I think is really great. I didn't know to even expect that that was going to pop up in an episode, but I love that it does and that they like chose to definitively address something that like you could point at as like kind of a, a, a weird plot hole. Um, and they do it in a really creative way. So I think that's super cool. And then the other thing is we do this, this episode felt to me like the first time we've actually seen the needle move on a lot of these relationships. Like we get CC sort of for the first time acknowledging like, Hey Fran, you're super, you know, or, or Maxwell, you're super into Fran. We get F- Maxwell almost telling Fran that he's into her. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we get a Maxwell CC kiss. Which I, I was one of my favorite moments in the episode. So yes. it, it was it it felt I I would describe this as uneven because there were things that I really really liked, and then there were other things that I just that just kind of fell flat for me that just didn't you know overall I I didn't love this one. So um well and so it's it's begins with um ev- the whole family is waiting by the front door. They're all dressed to the nines, waiting for Fran to come downstairs. What, is, what does that mean? What well, you know, I don't know. I don't know where the, do we the, know, orig- do we the know origin what- of the phrase "dress to the nines. Yeah, do we know that? What is it, what does it mean? Look at it up. Let's, let's look, look it up it right up. now. Let's see. Dress to the nines. Let's find out because I bet you uh, at least half of our audience is wondering the same thing. Okay. Um, so let's tell them. Uh, the phrase is said to be Scots in origin. The earliest written example of the phrase is from 1719 in a Scottish poem by William Hamilton, which is uh, the bonny line. The bonny lines therein thou sent me. How to the nines did they content me? Um, it basically is an idiom meaning to perfection or to the highest degree. Ah, but look at this. In numerology, the number nine represents completion as it's the last of oh. the single digit numbers, which are known as cardinal numbers in numerology and oh. the highest in value. Well, there you go. That's that probably said, it. it symbolically represents a culmination of wisdom and experience and buzzes with energy of both endings and new beginning. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. So – just the, to the ninth. <laughs> and and frankly, the Scottish uh, – the, so this article traces it back basically saying like the first use of to the nines was Scottish and the Scottish National Dictionary proposes that it originated from nine pins with bowling a nine being a perfect throw. How about that? <sighs> We're just never going to know for sure, We're never going to know. We're never gonna know. Guys, we're never going to know. If you know what dress to the nines means, uh, please let us know in the comments below. 
Do we so, have comments? None. All right. Yeah. The family so, is dressed to perfection. Thank you. To like just like in nine pins, waiting for Fran to come downstairs <laughs> so that they can get to like a fancy premiere. And she is taking absolutely forever. Um, and she actually like runs down in this gorgeous black dress and she's like, How do I look? And Mr. Sheffield, he's like, Fine, fine, let's go. And she's like, Fine. Like, I need gorgeous. I'm changing. So she runs back upstairs to change yet again. And um, Brighton actually had this really funny bit there where he's like, Dad, she's worked here for three years. How do you not know how to deal with her yet? And he's like, this is what you do. Does this make me look fat? No. Does this make my hair look good? Yes. Is my tush wider than usual? There's no good answer to that. <laughs> like it was very well done by yeah. uh, young Brighton. And then she says, she finally comes down the stairs ready to go. And she's like, but now I just need to change my my bag, like my purse so that it matches my dress. Um, she's wearing like a leopard print, very, you know, skin tight gown. And um, he's like, uh, okay, fine. Um, I'll just send the limo back for you. We don't want to leave Alec and Kim waiting. And I went, wow, Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger reference, blast from the past, and things have – oh, how things have changed. People, right. You know, people today like under a certain age probably have no idea that Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger were the eight Hollywood couple of the early 90s. They have a child um, together. They do have a child. Um, they, you know, I think they like co-hosted Saturday Night Live together. They were such a big deal and then they divorced and now I don't think they speak. And now Alec Baldwin is known for a lot of other things. Um, but I literally <laughs> wrote, I wrote, uh, wow, how things have changed. And then literally in the next scene, when she points out a paparazzi that, uh, Sean Penn hit, I went, but they also stayed the same. <laughs> but anyway, so so he he like basically baits her with the promise of riding in a limo with Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. Of course, it's you know just a ruse to get her into the limo. But off they go, and then they arrive at the premiere, and they're on the red carpet. And Fran is like over the moon, and she she's literally. But instead of pointing at the different celebrities, she goes, "Oh, look, there's the paparazzi that Sean Penn hit." And oh, there's the one. And like she like literally is pointing at different paparazzi that she knows for being famous for doing horrible things. And at one point she's like, that's the one who parachuted into Liz Taylor's wedding, which actually happened. Yeah. Um, and then like uh, there's all these entertainment and style journalists there and they start snapping pictures of Fran and Mr. Sheffield and they even like mistake her for an Italian supermodel and they're like they're like oh like that Italian model what's her name and she like thinks and without giving me a beat she goes Mangela and then they're like and who are you wearing and she goes uh, a new Italian designer named Ragu <laughs> and she just like you know she's in heaven getting her photograph taken yep uh, it was this whole opening scene though really like I, it felt like stretched out to me you know i guess that was why i felt like this episode was disjointed because i kept going like what is the what is the setup here and then it doesn't really happen until the next scene like she gets her picture taken and then we don't even get set up until the very next scene so i was like i don't you know what i mean it, it was just it, normally yeah. we get a little quicker setup because we had already had the cold open with them leaving the house and then this felt like a second cold open yeah and well you know what i think it is there was Literally about two scenes in this episode that felt very slow and kind of like filler. And I think the very first one that like throws the pacing off is after they leave the house, there's then that shot 
of Fran and Mr. Sheffield in the doorway looking out at the limo. It, you know, and they're like, and she's like, I don't see her. I don't see her. And then Mr. Sheffield's like, it's the blonde. And, but you know, it's, you're like, there, there was just some time to fill. It felt like a couple yeah. points, which, which throws the pacing off in general. But yes. I, I, there was so much other fun stuff happening. I was willing to forgive it, but I, I completely see what you mean. Um, but then the next day, Maggie comes into Mr. Sheffield's office holding a magazine. Um, and she's literally like, um, Dad, if you knew Fran would kill you for something that she did that turned out really bad for her, would you tell her? And he's literally like, he's like, Margaret, how many times have I told you you need to confront problems head on? You know, what could you have possibly done to Miss Fine that was all that bad? And she's like, Oh, not me. I'm talking about you. And he literally jumps up from his chair and he's like, No, I'll send for the limo. I'm going to the club. And he goes, See if you can solve it with money. <laughs> he, tries, <laughs> he tries to bolt. I love that line. Um, and then the Fran comes in, unfortunately. Oh, sorry. No. So then Maggie holds up this magazine she's holding and she's like, um, Fran is in Gloss Magazine from that premiere right. and she's on the worst dress list. And Mr. Sheffield's like, how is that my fault? And then she's like, read the caption. And the caption literally says, who let her out of the house holding that bag? <laughs> and literally Mr. Sheffield is the one who forced her who out of the it. house he with that bag. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, I, I, uh, I, I have a note here. So I watched this episode last night with Elizabeth and uh, I have – I have a note here from her, which was that when this scene started, she was like, you know, as someone who's never actually watched the show, the way you guys describe Cece makes her sound way hotter than she is. What? <laughs> Isn't that funny? What? <laughs> that was her observation. She was like, the way you guys describe Cece, like as soon as the scene started, like she was like watching it. She goes, you know, as someone who never watches the show, you guys describe Cece. It makes her sound way hotter than she is. Well, but you know, because here's the thing. I think the only time – well, first of all, when you said – you were going to read a note from Elizabeth. Um, I was going to go, does it say release me? <laughs> but secondly, it just says send help. <laughs> but no, but secondly, um, I think we've only really mentioned Cece's physicality when she's been like kind of unexpectedly attractive. Yeah. Because um, normally we don't really talk about how she looks, but I know there was like one episode where her boobs were out and she was just yeah. there to seduce. And I think that we did probably spend a lot of time talking yeah. about that. Um, but I think um, the probably it's because yeah the few the times that we mentioned what CC looks like it's it's when she's looking different or yeah. styled differently than that she normally true. appears. Yeah. Um, her other note was uh in this scene, CC says um she says the charity she describes the charity event as you're raising money for a needy cause. And Elizabeth went, who describes a cause as needy? I know. <laughs> what the I know. I thought the same thing. I was, yeah, because I rewatched the episode once and then twice and both times was like, huh. Yeah, who says needy? Oh, just, we're like she's talking about a good thing they're doing for charity, but she still describes it as a needy cause. It's so funny. <laughs> it's needy. Oh, these needy dying people. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and then I also I I like to see if you can solve this with money is a great line. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, oh, but so yeah. So Mr. Sheffield tries to um, escape. 
But Fran ends up coming in and she's like, has anybody seen my gloss magazine? Uh, They try to hide it from her. She ends up getting it anyway. And she's like, oh, what? Like, am I – oh, because at first she's like, am I in it? And then they try to hide it from her. And she's like, oh, what? Am I blurry? That's fine. It it takes 10 years off. (laughs) Um, And then she ends up opening the magazine to the page. Mm -hmm. She sees that she's in it, but she doesn't initially realize why. So at first she's super excited and then she she leaves and she's like, I got to call Val. At which point the entire room, which is Mr. Sheffield, Maggie, Cece, and Niles, yeah. they they plug their ears with their fingers <laughs> anticipating her scream. Yeah. Um, and she comes running back in and she pulls like a classic Mr. Sheffield actually. Oh, it's g- great. Elizabeth and I said this out loud as it happened, which was like, she goes, everybody out. And then we both looked at each other at the same time and went, not you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's that classic, which then got me thinking like, have you ever done that in real life ever? This is like only a thing that happens in sitcoms. I don't think I've ever kicked a bunch of people out of the room because I needed to talk to one specific person. <laughs> and then that specific person started to like sneak out and I had to go, uh, 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 not you. I don't know that that's ever happened in the history of the real world. It feels like only a thing you see in sitcoms. Uh, I'm trying hey, to think. wait a minute, you. <laughs> Everyone out. Not, uh, not you. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. But so, yeah, she really uh, turns that trope on its head because it's usually Mr. Sheffield doing it to her. And so everyone leaves. Mr. Sheffield tries to also sneak out again. And she's like, not you. And then um, she's like. <laughs> She's like, no, for you, it's going to be slow and painful. And then she goes over to his desk and dials a number and she goes, hi, ma, Mr. Sheffield wants to hear all about your hysterectomy <laughs> and hands him the phone. I like that, that line. Really that was funny. good. That made me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we then cut to like the next day and Fran is in sweatpants in the kitchen like completely devastated still. She's holding the magazine. She's whimpering and she's eating straight out of a carton of ice cream. And Mr. Sheffield comes in and this was a bit of a, of the double entendre joke because he, he wants to cheer her up and he's like, I know what will do it. And he like kind of kneels in front of her and he goes, let's do it. Yeah. And she's like, what? now and he's like yes let's go upstairs and just finally do yeah, it let's finally do it let's commit we all we always you always say you want to do it like i'm ready let's oh, go no, no, do no. it he like, goes he goes i know you want to do it every time you look at me yeah and it, it, they really really i was i genuinely got confused for a moment and i was like wait what is happening right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they she, got me i was like what the f- wait hold on hold on <laughs> because she's like oh no she's like i'm not in the mood i'm yeah. I, I i can't do it right now and then she's like i'll die your gray streak another day yeah because <laughs> so yeah, the, the the right before that she goes i don't i know i'm not in the mood i don't know if i can do it and you're like are they talking about sex and then she goes i'd have to go to the drugstore and you're like what is happening and then she's like i'll die your gray streak another day which is huh <laughs> A great, great double entendre uh, play on word. Yeah. That was funny. I like this. She literally then just dumps a bag of M&Ms into the carton of uh, ice cream and walks out. And she's so despondent that – I love this little detail. She walks by Cece who's walking in and Fran just goes eh. – and she walks by her. <laughs> yeah. Like can't even muster a like hello. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Cece then tries to get Mr. Sheffield to focus on this big benefit that they are, you know, going to have to put up a scene in from a production. Yeah. And he just like can't focus. He's worrying about Miss Fine. He's trying to figure out, you know, how he could possibly cheer her up. And Cece literally then like grabs him by the collar and she's like, Maxwell, focus. We have a benefit Saturday and we need a director. We need a set designer. We need a costume designer. And he just looks at her and he's like, Cece. You're a genius. And he kisses her on the mouth. But it was like not a romantic kiss. It was literally like a just- no, it's, it's a real Bugs Bunny, like, mwah, like yeah. a smack on the lips, you know? Yes. And, and Laura- she, her reaction is so <laughs> freaking good here. She like, she's like, oh, oh, and you see her brain go like, oh my God, I need him to kiss me again. What did I say? What did I say? And then she just starts listing other things that yes. they could possibly need. Like she thinks what turned him on is that she was like, listing things they need to get for the show so then she's like uh uh we need ushers uh we need uh popcorn we need (laughs) she goes oh fire marshal (laughs) it's a good one it's a real good one she plays it so perfectly there um she is so good at just playing like the boob like she's so good um and then um, he runs into the leaving room where Fran is still moping and he's basically like, Miss Fine, I want you to costume design the big scene for this important benefit on Saturday. Right. And, and we find out it's a scene from Our Town. Yeah. Um, which you already know right away. Like if you're familiar with the play Our Town and you, you know, are familiar with Fran's style, that that's like a recipe for some very funny um, yes. problems. <laughs> Um, because our town is like famously a play about like a very small, like a small town, um, in, you know, kind of like, I would say like evergreen America. Right. But it's supposed to be people who have very simple lives, simple ambitions, you know, nothing flashy about it. It's a very simple, like pared down play, even in its aesthetic. That's right. It takes place in Grover's Corners. (laughs) I was in, I was in our town. I should have. I should have known. It was. I was. I was George Gibbs. Oh my goodness. Yep. George is the husband, right? No, George is the son. He's elite. It's George and Emily. Um, oh, that's what I meant. Yeah. He's Emily. He becomes Emily's husband. Yeah. 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 Oh, right. Right. Yeah, okay. It was, um, it was George Gibbs. And it's, it's a great very- show. The whole idea of the show, though, is minimal. Like it's all minimalist. So, like, like the set in in the script uh, for the play, it's written that like there should not really be a set that it should be like chairs and a ladder and everything is just represented by like whatever the audience is playing in their mind. And like everyone is dressed in like very period appropriate, like plain middle America clothes. Cause it's just about like, it's just about like small town America, Grover's corners. Like, so yeah. So Fran being in charge of, of anything for this play seems like a ludicrous yes. idea yes. from the start. And Cece is immediately like you know knows this is a terrible idea and says like um you know well don't hire her out of guilt almost trying to get Fran to be like yeah don't hire me out of guilt and then Fran goes hey guilt has been very good for my people (laughs) yeah yeah and then she runs off she's like I gotta call ma um and then after she runs off this is where we had that moment that you were talking about where it's the first time Cece Tr- truly acknowledges and even accuses Mr. 
Sheffield of being attracted to Fran. She's like, yeah. she, or she's like, you know, Maxwell, I think you're thinking with your little producer on this one. Yeah, and, he- and longtime <laughs> listener Susanna V actually reached out to us about this episode on Twitter and specifically called this out and was like, hey, you guys should talk about how you know this is the first time Miss Babcock acknowledges that Mr. Sheffield is attracted and has feelings for Miss Fine. And that's pretty significant, no? And I was like, yes, no, it is. And we should talk about this because um, because what I think is about to happen as we get to the end of this season is I think they're going to start shuffling some pieces around. Um, I think Fran and and Mr. Sheffield get together at the end of this season, or at least no. acknowledge. Mm, I, I think so. No, six seasons of this. No, no, no. They don't get together yet. I think they will admit feelings. I believe they will admit feelings for each other by the end of this season. You don't think so? What are they going to do for seasons four and five? Because then season because season four is them trying to figure out if they're going to be together. Season five is they get engaged and it's leading up to the wedding. I think it ends with the wedding, and then season six is they are married for the last year. Like, huh. so Born I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure we're into into that. Like them starting to like move some of those pieces together, and also what this does by having Cece sort of acknowledge this here is it starts to open the door for Cece and Niles too because. This is like the first time we've sort of seen Cece kind of just accept that like this is an inevitability. You know, it's not, she's not, she's no longer really trying to be like, oh, Maxwell, you love me. You know, like she's just like, you're in love with this girl and it's annoying. (laughs) Yeah, there's actually, we'll get to it, but a very funny beat between Mr. Sheffield and Cece later where he goes out of his way to acknowledge there's nothing between them. But but basically, um, so, but Cece's like, you know, you're thinking with your little producer and, you know, she's like, for some unknowable reason you're attracted to that woman and you know that you're that's letting that that's guiding your decisions and he's like you're absolutely Which, wrong. like unknowable she's like super hot <laughs> <laughs> yes but i think you know cc thinks she's like you know low class and yeah that, you know there's it's just finds her distasteful for our different reasons. Um, but so then cc's like well you know if you're gonna do this you're doing it on your own like i am not partnering you on this you know eventual uh train wreck so she leaves um and uh niles already has her coat ready the second it's out of her mouth like he's so excited for her to walk out um so you know maxwell's gonna accept responsibility for this whether it is a good idea or bad idea like completely on his own um and then (laughs) fran comes running in she's still super excited and she's like, oh, we can't wait. I'm going to do like sequence and I'm going to do a, you know, a temptations kind of thing. And then she goes, oh, wait, I'm thinking of Motown. Yeah. <laughs> so Great line. Like, Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, and well, and then well, she we also a- mentions – this is also the first time she mentions her cousin. We should oh, no, say it's that. The next scene. It's the next. Oh, it's next scene. scene. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because in the next scene, we have Mr. Sheffield sitting behind his desk, um, and Niles is there, and he's Mr. Sheffield's clearly trying to this mask. Is a great scene, by the way. Yes, it is. It is for a lot of reasons, but um, Mr. Sheffield's trying to mask that he now has anxiety about the fact that he is letting Fran do this, and um, in fact, uh, Niles basically is like. Well, good thing your trusty butler took Polaroids of like her costume design. And Mr. Chef is like, oh, thank God. And 
Niles shows him a Polaroid of at least what he thinks was Fran's sort of like general plan um, from like, I guess, garments she had in her bedroom. And yeah, she has a like, bunch of clothes laid out on her bed. And he's yes. like, look, this is, this is great. And, and she, you know, yeah, Maxwell's like, oh, it's like plaids and beiges and tans. And like, this is perfect. This is what yep. it should look like. It should be like very boring. Very like, you know, middle America, like middle of the road, milk toast. Like that's what the play is about. So mm-hmm. that's perfect. And he's like relieved for sure uh, about this, which yes. is great. Um, but, and so- then, but then there's also like this beat there where uh, where even Niles is like kind of implying like you didn't just hire her for her talent. And he's like adamant. Like I'm not a try. Like the- I would never hire her for anything other than like normal good reasons that she's like really good with fashion yes yes and then then fran comes in and she's like mr sheffield like i'm ready for our meeting to talk about wardrobe and they actually she actually sits across from him and we she goes oh what's that and he's like oh that's my foot and she's like you take your shoes off when you work too yeah. and then they literally start cracking each other footsie. up yeah, yeah. You know, she, yeah, like, you know, very un, like unabashedly kind of like poking at each other under the table with their bare feet. And, and like and, giggling. Yes. And Niles is clearly like he's loving it. He's thrilled. So he he leaves to like sort of leave them to their own devices. And then, you know, Mr. Shelby is like, oh, Miss Fun, you know, we we really should get our work done. But I will say this. I really do like how she brings out this like childlike fun yeah. in him. Um, and you can tell Niles loves it too. But so then she's like, well, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think this is one of those scenes, like, again, it's an uneven episode, but this feels like, again, an, like kind of an important like moment, at least from what we've seen, like maybe they've had mo- little moments like this that we haven't seen, but, but this is the first time we've really seen them like genuinely, like just kind of flirting. Like, and it's not done in a way where they're like, you know that we've had those moments where like they're like oh are they will they won't they moments this isn't one of those this is just like oh they're like really cute they're like laughing and giggling and touching each other's feet under the desk and like it's it genuinely feels like they're just like a couple flirting with each other and like i think also you know we we've noted in the past that Mr. Sheffield, like when you peel away a lot of the layers, he is very childlike sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And he's like a little, he's like a schoolboy, a little rascal under, not even a rascal. That's too cool a term for what he is. Yeah, he's not a rascal. No, he's, he's not just a rascal. A child, a man yeah, child. He's, just, he's, he's childlike, but, yeah. you know, kind of immature and, and laughs at certain things and certain can have a petty streak, but it actually kind of does really make sense that he and Fran would be in line with each other in certain ways. Um, But so it was really cute. And then, you know, he's like, oh, Miss Fine, we have to stop. We have some, we have work to do. We have work to do. And she's like, oh, you're right. And then she pulls out this extremely like flamboyant, like brightly colored dress. It's like orange and printed and all crazy. And she's like, what do you think of this? And he's like, oh, he's like, it's really nice, but you know, it is a benefit. You should probably wear something, you know, a little more subtle. And she's like, oh, no, this isn't for me. This is for the character of Emily, um, which, as we've said, is a character, um, one of the main um, characters, um. <laughs> and she's literally, like, in basically, like, every scene. And and mm-hmm. Fran even says, she's like, you know, she's she's in every scene, and we really want her to pop, which is, again, the opposite of anything. It's so antithetical to our town. And Mr. Sheffield looks horrified. And she's like, 
as my uh, as my cousin Toddy says, just because you're uh, what was it like? Just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't make an impression. Yes, oh. yeah, because they're all because well, that's and that's also an R town joke because they're all all of the characters in the show are dead when we meet them and they're like talk like or the main characters and they're talking from beyond the graves, sort of like narrating and acting out this tale. So that was also a an R town. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And um, so then um, Mr. Sheffield starts to get clearly very anxious and she, yeah. because their feet have been touching, she's like, um, Mr. Oh, oh well, no, wait, first, actually there was a- First he finds out that though, that, 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 cause he brings up, he says something like, what happened to beiges and plaids? And she's like, what? She's like, that, are you talking about Maggie's dry cleaning on my bed? <laughs> yes. And as soon as she says that, Niles had literally re-entered the room with champagne and two champagne glasses because he's clearly trying to facilitate whatever is happening between them. Yeah. But then when he hears that, he instantly turns on his heels and walks out <laughs> and again. Walks back out. He knows Great. he's now in total now trouble. He's in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, because he got it so wrong. Um but, but so then, that's what causes Maxwell to be like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. Oh. And she's like, what's wrong? And he's like, I have a cramp in my foot now. And she's like, because he still doesn't want to admit he's lost faith in her. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I have a cramp in my foot. And she's like, oh no, a cramp in your foot. She's like, let me help. And she crawls under his desk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she starts to massage his foot, but she's so she's now out of frame. She's under yeah. the desk. So then Niles walks back in and he goes, well, where's Miss Fine? And then we just hear her voice from under the desk go, does that feel good, Mr. Sheffield? <laughs> and she goes, do you want me to rub some lotion on it? And then there's this very long beat, which they totally milk to its fullest. And yep. then Niles just goes, should I leave? <laughs> which, which is also like, of course you should leave, Niles, if that's what you think is happening. Well, and then he also goes, but then he also says – um, this was a weird line too, because when he realizes what he thinks he knows is going on down there, which like he thinks she's like under there blowing him or whatever, <laughs> he goes, um, you know, uh, the Butler's Association has a big event coming up and we could use some uniforms. Basically being like, hey, friend, if we hire you to do costumes for this event, will you also blow us? Yeah. <laughs> which is such a weird – I was like – I was like, wait. Was the joke there that he's like, hey, Fran, will you also like give me a blowjob if I hire you? It's such a weird I, I literally just wrote I, know, I literally have in all caps to get a BJ from Fran question mark. And then I write gross. Right. Like I, what like the I, bit there was just like, ah, uh, maybe she'll like blow me too. It's I, so weird. I just think that the Niles Fran lane really has to be put like platonic for it to be its funniest. Agreed. And it, it just feels gross. If, when if he dead. sexualizes her, it gets gr- it gets weird. Totally, totally. Yep. Um, but then I say this, Niles redeems himself right after that because Fran then leaves the room to go get like, you know, Epsom salt for Mr. Sheffield's feet. And Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, Niles, maybe CC was right. Maybe I've let my feelings for Miss Fine cloud my judgment. And then Niles like very leadingly goes, and what feelings might those mm-hmm, be? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, you know, you know. And he goes, but wouldn't it feel so much better if you just finally said it? <laughs> and then Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, all right. The fact that, you know, I – and right as he says it, Fran 
comes back in with like a little tub to soak Mr. Sheffield's feet in. And she's like, I got it. And Niles literally screams like in anguish. And he goes, oh, he's he's like, oh, come on. (laughs) And, you know, he's like totally the audience. Yes, Yes. he's channeling the audience's frustration of like, will will these two idiots just get together? Yes, yeah. So then I was like, you know, even though he made that gross BJ joke, like he does have their best interest at heart. He does. He wants them to be He's just together. the old horn dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, old. He ain't nothing but a horn dog. Yeah, and to be fair, elvish. his leg, <laughs> Elvis, Elfish. What was he? Elfish, Elfish, little Elfish. Um, but so yeah, that I loved that scene. Like, great scene, almost great scene, it. great physical comedy, great writing, like fantastic, really, really fantastic, like stand, like standout scene. Like you could pull that scene out of the episode. And just show it to someone, and it's like classic sitcommy. Like people are coming in and out of the room, and mistaken identity, you know, or you know, mistaking the situation. It's great. And when you think um, about it, it's it's a pretty long scene, but it never it loses is. momentum. No, no, it's great. It was like mm-hmm. a, a genuinely good scene. All right. Um, well, and then we we get to we start to at least wrap things up because the next scene it's the night of this big benefit, and it's intermission, and Mr. Sheffield and Fran and scene has not gone up yet. So, you know, they're still like anxiously wondering how the audience is going to react to this. But we also yeah. learned that Andrew Lloyd Webber had a scene in the benefit as well, of course. And, you know, his his set design was apparently impeccable and lavish. Um, and then though we have this another very significant and I think very sweet moment that takes place between Mr. Sheffield and France specifically, because, you know, Basically, he orders like a, a Jack Daniels from the bar because he is so nervous and like he's ostensibly is about to take a shot before he can even go back in to watch mm-hmm. this potential disaster unfold. Um, but then Fran looks at him and she's like, you know, Mr. Sheffield, I just want to thank you. You know, you have no idea what it means to me that somebody like you put their faith in me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like recenters him for a minute in like the reason why he did this and how much he cares about her. And he literally like puts the drink down. Like he no longer yeah. needs it. And he, instead he kisses her on the cheek. Yeah. And she's like, what was that for? And he's like, for luck. And, and I, I loved it. It was, yeah, really, it was really nice. It was really yeah. cute. And he sends her inside. Um, and then he nervously lights a cigar, grabs a chair, and tries to set the fire alarm off. <laughs> did, so did, so I funny. thought for a minute that that's actually what was going to happen. That he yeah. was, so because basically he, even though he says that to her, um, and then intermission ends and and everybody re-enters the theater, he s- still cannot go back in. It turns yeah. out, and you know, as Sean alluded to, he was about to light a cigar and then literally tried to potentially see if he could get the fire alarms to go off so the rest of the show doesn't have to happen. Um, This is also another scene where I got a great little Elizabeth comment, which is right before, like right before him and he kind of tells Fran how much faith he has in her. um, She like notices, well, first of all, she's wearing this like pink dress with this like sheer fabric wrapped. She looks great. Mm -hmm. And he's very nervous. And she goes, don't worry, Mr. Sheffield. This is a charity benefit. People are just here to find a cure. For their tax problems. And Elizabeth literally paused it and went, damn, stay woke, Fran. <laughs> yeah, no, I literally have that as one of my favorite lines for later. Stay woke. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, also, what is a gold lame dicky? Because she says that to him. She goes, don't worry. The costumes are going to be fine. I put Emily in a gold lame dicky. What is that? So what I'm is a sure, dicky? I'm pretty sure a dicky is like um, – Is that a cap? A, it goes around your – I thought it was this thing that goes around your neck. But like maybe a I'm, scarf? 
Oh no, maybe I'm totally wrong. I thought it was. Oh no, no. Anyway, so it's it's that's what it is. It's like, um, you know when like um men wear very expensive, very fancy tuxedos, yes. and they have that kind of like white collar almost. Like, it's like yes. a shirt front. That's a dicky. <laughs> right. It says the dicky is usually attached to the shirt collar and then tucked into the waistcoat. Gold LeMay dicky. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so yeah. So so he is, so so Mr. Sheffield nervously lights a cigar and then grabs a chair, stands on it, and tries to like hold the cigar under the fire alarm. <laughs> and then like this bartender kind of like eyeballs him, and he's like, mm, "I can't do this." Yeah. And then we cut to later, and he's at the bar now drinking. And he's CC- alone. He's alone, by the way, in the you know everybody else is is in the theater, and he's right. alone. And he's alone in the lobby, like letting the show kind of happen. And then Cece comes bursting out of the theater, like laughing, like. <laughs> and then she sees him, and she's like, "Oh!" <laughs> and she goes, "Okay, you can admit it wasn't your brain hiring Miss Fine now." And he's like, "No, he still won't admit it." He's like, "No, that's not. I wouldn't do that." Like. That's not true, you know, but Cece, the way she comes out of the theater sort of implies that it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, everyone starts to, like, filter out, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Fran is very excited. <laughs> yep. She's like, she's like, oh, it was a success. Da, 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 da. And then um, she goes, oh, and there's my cousin Todd. Oh, no, sorry. Before she says no, that, yeah. Cece goes, oh, my gosh, it's Todd Oldman. He is my friend favorite designer like i sat next to him at a restaurant once and then he she goes oh and he's coming over to say hello and then so this man beelines over to them mm-hmm. and though instead of saying hi to Cece, he goes franny and she goes toddy and then mr sheffield's like your cousin toddy is todd oldman who is a legitimately very Famous big, fashion big, designer. Yes. Guy. And he was very, yeah. very famous in the 90s. I did some reading on him because I wasn't that familiar with him at all. But he was he was almost like – he was very MTV famous. Like he was very hip at the time. Yeah. He was on like like House of Fashion and House of Design. And um, yeah. he, he was especially big during this period. Um, and it's also really funny because – when I rewatched the episode, I realized that earlier when she refers to her cousin Toddy, she says that he worked. He's in the Shimata, uh, Shimata vis- business, yeah. And Shimata in Yiddish just means like old rags and garments. Shimata, yeah, Shimata. Yeah. She goes, Shimata. he's in the Shimata business. <laughs> yeah, so claiming that her extremely famous cousin, uh, who's like a notorious, uh, not notorious, a uh, super super. Just like well-respected designer is in the old rag. He business. sells schmatas, and it's like no, he's not. He's like a like high-end fashion designer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then when Mister Sheffield asks that incredulously, she's like, "Of course. How do you think a nanny can afford to dress the way I do?" Here Which we go. Answers the big question that a lot of people ask. Here we go, and it's great that the show is so self-aware at this point that they even address this. Like, I thought this was such a good. I really this upped my enjoyment of the overall episode because I was like, "Wow, what a like self, uh, what a self-aware thing for the show to acknowledge." Uh-huh. Like, yeah, of course, how does she afford all of these designers? She's every episode she's in three different designer outfits, and it makes no sense unless she's squandering all of her pay. Um, and this was great. This was a great way to acknowledge like, yeah, of course he sends her old stuff. And then she goes, and then she goes, who wore this outfit before me? And, and she's like, was it, you know, Cindy Crawford? Was it this person? And he goes, actually it was Wesley Snipes. And then I literally went, that's why I know that dress that she's wearing. (laughs) Because 
You don't you did you know what this was a reference to? Was it Tu Wong Fu? It's Tu Wong Fu. It's literally the exact same dress. We should use a picture of Wesley Snipes in that dress the week this show runs to promote the show. Oh, let me see, because I, I didn't recognize the dress, but I love that movie. Yeah. I'm looking at it. I mean, that's another fabulous movie. If, if, viewers, if you have not seen Tu Wong Fu, thanks, thanks for, for everything, everything Julie, Julie Newmar. <laughs> it is, oh my gosh, it is, it is sort of a spiritual sister to the nanny, actually, I would say, in terms of just being fabulous, being yourself. Um, I mean, it's similar. Like he is, it's it's a similar. It's not the exact same dress, but it is very similar to the fashion that he wears in that movie, and which is what I think this was a, a, a reference to. Yeah. Um. Well, that, that was fantastic. And then you know what I was also thinking. Um. The more that we're talking about this episode, the more I kind of understand why they did it because Fran Drescher at the time was getting so much. Um heat or negativity for her style choices, which now have really stood the test of time. She was on worst dress list. She didn't change how she looked or dressed based on that. She really like stuck to the fact that like, no, like I, I know style, like I have taste and, um, you know, I'm not changing that for, you know, some vote for like hey, whatever she has style she has flair she was there that's yeah. how she became the nanny i mean jesus yes. yes and so you know and the show really does have such a legacy in terms of style and fashion yeah. that i think that this probably did come about from a lot of maybe conversations internally about like let's do a little response to the fact that um you know people are are making fun of my style yeah um, um, and so basically we find that, the, you know, the costumes were a huge hit. Everyone liked it. It was, which, which was sort of my prediction as this episode wore on, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is going to be one of those things where like, they're like, you know what? It's so avant-garde to, to pair these garish costumes with, with, um, with our town is actually like so avant-garde that it could go the opposite way where people don't hate it, but they're like genius. Like yes. this is brilliant. You took this minimalist thing and you made this whole statement about capitalism by putting them in these, these outrageous designs. Like it, it's yes. great. It works Even, out really well. Like, yes. And in fact, um, all of these sort of entertainment journalists now swore Mr. Sheffield and they're like, Mr. Sheffield, like, how does it feel to have reinvented a classic? And they're yeah. like, you know, Andrew Lloyd Webber is saying that your scene stole the show. Yeah. Um, he and goes, yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber knows who I am. He's, yeah. He gets so excited. <laughs> and then he's literally like, did he say my name specifically? <laughs> and, like, so, and then, of course, Cece tries to take the credit because Mr. Yeah. Sheffield's like, you know, I really, I really can't take credit for this. I, I need to, you know, shine a light on this wonderful woman that I work with. And he turns around to grab Fran and then Cece literally swoops in and goes, it's Cece Babcock. That's B-A-B. <laughs> and, uh, but then Fran totally gets C the last period, laugh. period, C period. <laughs> yes. yes. But Fran still gets the last laugh yep. because as all of these photographers and journalists are surrounding Cece, she goes, hey, Miss Babcock catch and she grabs this like gaudy sequence purse that somebody else is holding throws it at cc and cc catches it just in time for these photographers to take a picture of her holding it and someone else takes a picture of fran and then the last button on this episode is just a freeze frame of 
both Cece and Fran in the uh, like the next issue of uh, of the gloss. magazine. Yeah, gloss yeah. magazine. And Fran is a style do, and Cece is a style don't. Womp, womp, womp. Uh-huh. But it was very funny. Um, and so th- you know that, that was, was the episode. episode. Yeah, uh, I think it might be time for our favorite thing: segments. Segments. And now segments. So. Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> um. So segments. First up, favorite lines. Uh, see if you can solve this with money is an amazing line. <laughs> um, guilt has been very good for my people. I also like Cece had a line where she's mad about Fran designing costumes and she goes, oh, great. We're going to have costumes designed by Oscar de la Yenta. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I loved it. I also like the, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do a whole four tops thing. Oh, wait. That's Motown, not our town. And then she goes, don't worry, don't worry. I'll get it. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, I have literally all of those flagged. And then, but I also said just Niall screaming, oh, come on, when they're about to hear Mr. Sheffield at many has feelings for yeah. Fran. And then, and then, of course, the, the don't worry, Mr. Sheffield, this is a charity benefit. People are just here to find a cure for their tax problems. Yes. Great line. Yes, Great. Yes, yes. Those kinds of lines, too. Like, we don't talk about this, but, like, those lines are hard to deliver and not sound like you're delivering a punchline, but to just sound like you're saying it, you know? And Fran Mm -hmm. is very good at delivering those kind of one-liner zingers without making them feel – like, she doesn't hit the zing too hard, you know? Yes. Well, and I think it's because – her many of the characters in this show, I would say specifically (laughs) Fran and Niles, they are designed to be clever people. You know, yes, so it's absolutely. sort of it's like the realistic way that your very funny, clever friend would would talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for Yiddish, we had a couple. We had sh- uh, Shemetta. Why am I saying it wrong? Shemetta? Shmalta. Shema- I don't – Shemata? Shemata. Yeah, Shemata. Shemata. Which is rags or old ragged pieces of clothing yep. or garments. And then we also had the word schnook. I love schnook. At uh, the beginning of the episode when Fran is on the red carpet, she's like, oh, it's so great being on this side of the line. Usually I'm one of those schnooks, you know, jumping up and down and waving yeah. um, on the other side. And a schnook. schnook is like a meek or gullible person. Yeah, like a, like a, a fool. Schnook. Mm-hmm. Schnooks and schnurs. Those are one, two of my favorite words. What's a schnur? A schnur is like someone who um, is like a, like a bum, like someone who just like takes and takes, like, oh, you're a real schnur, mm. you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like someone, someone who like, uh, yeah, yeah, a schnur is like a, someone who's like a real bum, you know? Ah, interesting, interesting. So, okay. So for Nanny Trivia this, this week, I thought we would – uh, do a little dive into Brenda Cooper, who is the who was the iconic wardrobe and costume designer on the nanny. I love it. And she is, you know, still great friends with Fran Drescher to this day. Um, she also worked with Fran again on Happily Divorced. And they actually initially met on the very short-lived sitcom Princesses, which mm. Fran Drescher was on with Twiggy and another actress. And I think it got canceled very early mm. on. But but Brenda Cooper was actually the assistant wardrobe person on that show. And Fran said – if I ever have my own show, I want you to be the costume designer. Wow! And so 
uh, Brenda Cooper, she's born in England. She's an English lady, and she actually worked on The Nanny for four seasons and won an Emmy before leaving to have children. Um, and it's really interesting because, like, I have seen her Instagram uh, where she talks a lot about style and fashion. So in my head, I kind of think of her as this, like, kind of kooky, free-spirited spirited, fun, like older lady. And I saw a photo of her when I was doing this deep dive and she was gorgeous. She was like such a beautiful lady. Um, I mean, she's still very attractive, but it's just in my head, she was very different from, I realized the person she was when Fran would have met her. Um, but so I saw this, uh, interview that was actually on hello giggles with her, where there was some really interesting, sound bites that I just wanted to share. So she, this is what she says about becoming a costume designer. She says, I had previously pursued a career as an actress that had gone nowhere faster than the speed of sound. So I had to get a job. I wanted to start a business and I was always great at putting clothes together. When I went from being on camera to behind the camera, I was, I don't want to say the wrong word here, but a little bit alarmed with the approach to costume and film and television. To me, it was really, really important, but it didn't seem in the hierarchy of Hollywood that costume designers were all that important. I was like, wow, if I'm going to do this show that Fran's given me to do, I want to make a statement. And then she said, she goes, I didn't get any direction, but I knew exactly what to do. And Fran just let me do it. I had taken some of the looks and one of the vests from Princesses. It was a very blah, 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 blah. Hold on, hold on, I'm going to say da, da, da. Sorry. So I'm going to cut one sec. I'm going to cut this. But she goes, I didn't get any direction, but I knew exactly what to do. And Fran just let me do it. So she says, uh, the inspiration to create this character uh, was I intentionally wanted to make a statement of style, wit, and humor all combined. So I just started shopping for the show. It was intuitive. And it's the way I work with clients today, just knowing the way it should be. I wanted color. I wanted it to be sexy. Fran gave me my wings and she trusted me. We were a match made in heaven. She just let me do my thing. And that's what the result was. Cool. And then this is this is just some trivia related to the nanny wardrobe, which is kind of interesting. Um, she goes, when Fran and I came back together in 2012 to do happily divorced, I thought, you know something, I want to see if I can find the wardrobe from the nanny to see if we could use any of it. When a show completes, all of the wardrobe goes into a central department at the studios. True. It's like a graveyard of all these clothes. True. I went to track down the wardrobe, which was at Sony, and it had just been sold to a thrift store in the Valley. I called the thrift store and I begged them. I told them I was the designer of the nanny and they wouldn't help me. People today have pieces of clothing in their wardrobe that are, are that were on the original nanny and probably don't know that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like that's definitely true. I worked in the costume department on a couple of shows when I first moved to LA. And that was one of the first coolest things that I got to do is I got sent to Warner Brothers costume department one day to pick some stuff up. And I walk in and it is a Indiana Jones style warehouse. It's massive. Mm -hmm. And it's all broken up by era. Um, And like, it's just everything. It's everything that's ever been used in a WB anything and anything Warner Brothers has ever made. And like, you know, there's everything from like modern day stuff to like, you know, gladiator costumes that were used in like Ben-Hur. They just reuse whatever they can. And like we, you know, when we wrapped um, Franklin and Bash, for example, all of the suits and everything that had been worn by everyone, the whole four years of that show all got like labeled and boxed up and, and sent to Sony's warehouse to be reused on whatever next lawyer show they needed it for. So yeah, it's pretty cool. There's like a whole collection of 
of costumes out there that that are just available to use that get reused. Props are the same way. Uh, the, the, the prop warehouse at Warner Brothers is very similar where you're like, oh, hey, that's a cool table. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that table was on like, who's the boss and different strokes and, you know, how I met your mother and in the background of friends. Like, you guys need a coffee table? Wow. Here you go. You know, and you're just like, wow, I didn't, you don't even think, but like more often than not, when you're watching like a sitcom and you see like a living room set, I bet you all of those pieces have been used somewhere else as, as, you know, set dressing. It's really cool. Really kind of neat when yeah, you think about it. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's pretty rad. All right. That was fun trivia. Yeah. So if you um, ever bought uh, some clothes from a shop in the Valley in 2012 and yes. it looks like something Fran wore, it might indeed yes. be something Fran wore. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's what happens like when clothes hit a certain point where they're not reusable, they do they do dump them in, in all of the Valley thrift shops too, which is another which, cool thing. Again, very short-sighted because 10 years later, I bet a lot of uh, people would be wearing them. You know, you could you – could, actually dress your cast in a lot of these items and not only that but we're also like deep deep into 90s nostalgia right now so like i'm sure a lot of the like there's so many shows that take place in the 90s right now you know (laughs) that are like that are like you know flashback in the same way when we were growing up like you know 60s nostalgia was very big because that's what the boomers were into you know that 70s show yeah or that 70s show exactly Mm -hmm. um Um, so and then fran or the cc I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I don't know. <laughs> I think we're both Fran. I, I was gonna say I think we're both CC because I went. We got no style and no flair and no, That's no, true. no stylistic point of view. That's true. We don't. We don't. Jeans and flip flop people. That's what I call us. Yeah, and and I actually sometimes I I feel bad about this. Like not enough that it keeps me up at night, but I know that fashion in uh, in and of itself is a very like legitimate form of art, but it yeah. just yeah. sort of means nothing to me. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. It's not, it's just not, it's not my kind of art, but I, I can respect that it's not, it's, you know. It's like in, I don't know good from art. bad. I don't yeah. know. I don't know like visionary from mediocre. Like I don't follow up on trends. I don't know any of it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, and what about you, folks? Are you uh, fashionistas or uh, do you just like to watch from afar? Uh, find us on Instagram or Twitter at oh Mr. Chef Pod and let us know your thoughts and also your thoughts on this episode and future episodes and anything you want to share with us. We're happy to read. And, and if you have any fun facts about the show, you know, send them along. We'll, we'll read them uh, on the show. And if you're enjoying uh, Oh Mr. Sheffield uh, podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, rate the show, review the show, share it on your social media pages, really get the word out about the show. That does help people find it, which is uh, good for everyone. And uh, and on that note, I think I have a new outro for the show um, mm-hmm. where we're going to go, uh, all right, that's the end of the podcast. Now everyone out. Uh, not you, Toria. <laughs> or or we just use one random name every week and we right. hope that that person's listening. Not you, Bradley. Yeah. All right. Now everyone out. Not you, Susanna. Wait. Actually, they don't actually specify a name. So we could just yeah, go, everybody just, out. Not, not you. you. Yep. All right. Bye. Goodbye. The flashing girl from flashing. Name Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>